Green Green Left Weekly Weekly Radio. Radio. There's one newspaper that is independent of powerful capitalist interests, and that is Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, ecological sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas that the mainstream media won't. Green Left is a leading source of local, national and international news with analysis, discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us. Good morning. You are listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM on your dial. And before we begin, um, I'd like to start by recognising that we are we are broadcasting you from the land of the Wandri Wawan, the rightful sovereign owners of the land. This is land that was stolen, taken by force. They've never ceded sovereignty, and the colonisation of First Nations land continues this to this day. And I guess. We want to make a commitment that FreeCR and Green Left Radio is committed to the struggle for First Nations sovereignty, and it's deeply connect. And we believe that it's deeply connected with the struggles against racism and border imperialism that we all live with today. All right, this always was, always will be Aboriginal land, and thank you for joining us. Now we um. Um, you are joined today by Jacob Antwafa as one of your presenters today, but um, I think some, we have some, we have some other co-presenters coming, um, but they they might be just running a bit late, so bear with me, listeners. But I guess I'll just go start by giving a bit of a rundown of um, what we have lined up for the program, which is actually a pretty packed program. So we're going to be earlier today. We're for the first interview. We're going to be interviewing Reem Yunus, who is a Palestinian. Palestinian Australian activists and socialists, and she's also the Victorian socialist who is the Victorian socialist candidate for the Dunkley by-election. And now the Dunkley by-election is going to be it covers the areas of Frankston, and um, it's going to be taking place on Saturday, March the second. So we're going to be um, we'll be talking to her to hear about you know what what um, what Victorian socialist is going to be putting forward this, in that by-election. And then on 7.40 a.m., we're going to be interviewing um, Zane Alcorn, um, who's actually uh, one of our fellow FreeCR presenters, but he won't be, um, he'll be in for a live interview. And he's, um, he, he recently wrote an article on, uh, on, on a protest in support of a, um, a, a printer, a Port Stephens wind farm project. And there's, there's quite a lot of politics, um, in this article that Zane wrote, especially in terms of the right-wing opposition to the project, so we're going to be um, speaking to him to find um, to find out a bit more about about what about about that protest, and then we're going to be doing an interview with Lara Week, who is a resident of Techno Park, to talk about to give us a bit of the latest sort of updates on the Techno Park campaign. So yeah, that's what we got. Um, that's what we've got covered um, with for Green Left today, and um, yeah, I hope I hope listeners enjoy um, the program. I might just I'll just go play a quick announcement. You're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR eight five five AM. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. 
The people of Gaza who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 AM. So I thought I'd um, start off um, the program by giving some news reports on some of the latest kind of political developments that are happening in the area. Um, I'll, I'll like to, I'll like to draw in on the, from the pages of Green Left. Um, one interesting thing that has, um, that has started since February 11 is that Families for Palestine, which was actually formerly known as Mums for Palestine, has started an or around the clock peaceful protest outside Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's electorate office in, in Marrickville on February 11th. Essentially what this entails is this is basically, uh, almost in a sense an ongoing picket line that's being maintained by by activists and they have very much committed to uh they have committed to a peaceful vigil and they're basically going to keep the keep this um keep it um keep it going until there is an immediate and permanent ceasefire the protest itself is also uh, is also drawing attention to the issue of UNRWA funding and basically demanding that it is reinstated and that Labor ends its support for the State of Israel. Um, this protest is also calling for support for the boycott, divestment and sanction campaign against Israel and for consular support for Palestinian families who wish to leave. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's something that's, um, that's happening right now. And of course, the, the sit-in is being supported by solidarity, um, Palestine solidarity groups, um, including rank and file union groups for Palestine, students from the Sydney University Student Representative Council, as well as Socialist Alliance and the New South Wales Game, um, Greens. New South Wales Greens Senator Maureen Farouk has also shown support, as has Jenny, Le- Jenny Leon, um, Greens MP for Newtown. So yeah, they're calling, um, if you, if you end up listening to this program and happen to be going, uh, down to Sydney at some point or, or listening to this online through, from, from New South Wales, you, the Prime Minister's office is at 334A Marrickville Road in Marrickville and, um, if you look on the Green Left website, you can sign up to to be part of the roster now, and or even follow families for. I also recommend following families for Palestine on Instagram to get all the latest updates for um for um on on this ongoing on ongoing picket. Now there's um the next um the next the next thing that's gonna gonna be happening is human rights organisation. This is a report from direct from Green Left, and 
basically, Dutch court orders government to... Um, the t- article is gu- um, Dutch court orders government to stop military exports um, to Israel. Now, just a bit of background on on this issue... Um, one of the 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 ongoing issues with um, with what's happening in Palestine has been the whole issue of arms exports for to Israel that are being used consistently in the war on Gaza. And now, what is significant about this story is a court in the Netherlands has ordered the government to stop supplying the F-35 fighter jet parts to Israel within seven days due to the clear risk of serious violations of. In international humanitarian law. Now, this this decision is in response to the fact that there was a case brought by Exfam Novib, um, Pax and the Rights Forum against the government for supplying Israel with military equipment, despite knowing the equipment will be used to um, to commit war crimes. And now. One of the, the interesting sort of conclusions is the judge concluded based on reports from Amnesty and the United Nations that many children, civilians, including children, are being targeted. Now, I think this is um. This, I think this is quite encouraging, this um, development, and I think given the ongoing campaign right now against heat treatment Australia, there is actually scope to actually extend um, the political pressure towards the Albanese government um, to stop the supplying of um, of of, um, of 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 those exporting of those parts which are um, which are used for um, the F F F. Um, the F-35 fighters. So I think there's, um, yeah, I think this, this, this news story I think is a particular good inspiration. And, um, yeah, I like to, I like to, I like to, I think it's, um, a good news story. So I think, um, I'll, I'll, um, you can find out, read more on greenleft.org.au. Now, one of my, um, one of my co-presenters, um, Rob is, uh, is late, but it's no, no issue. I was, I was holding the fort quite well. So I'll just go say good morning to Rob. Uh, yeah, good morning, Jacob. Um, you know, look, it's entirely my fault. I wake up at five o'clock every morning and I'm afraid that I've just got this habit of the first thing I do is I go online and I agitate. And usually it doesn't take that long. But this morning there were a lot of things to agitate about, Palestine mostly and a few other things. And so I just was, you know, uh, typing away on the keyboard and all of that. And then I had a look at the the time and I thought oh heavens you know and I missed the, my usual tram so I'm so sorry to our listeners to be late it's not my usual habit but anyway I'm here and we've still got well almost one and a half hours to discuss what would probably be about six hours worth of issues but anyway never mind here we are yeah um well good um we'll go play a quick announcement and then we'll get um and we'll go we'll go for a few more kind of news stories and um, we've got our first interview with Reem Yunus at 7:20 a.m. Um, so I'll just go play uh, a quick a quick announcement. You're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 a.m. So this is in the middle of the pandemic, where this billionaire is suing the Pentagon for a military contract for what most people think is the place that you order books from. It's a very interesting case study in pulling out the different threads of militarism and how it can really be embedded in so many aspects of our lives that we don't even realize that when we order something from Amazon that we're putting workers' lives at risk and that we're supporting what is 
becoming an increasingly important actor in the military industrial complex. Exposing that to people, I think, is very important. People will care if they understand that this is how things are all interconnected and linked. It's surfacing that information, it's making that accessible and making it relevant for people's lives. And I think that is another opportunity that COVID-19 really presents to us is that we are all connected and these structures are all connected. We can see that much more clearly now than we could before. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR. 8.55 a.m. Now, just um, before we go into the next news story, actually, just one thing I forgot to kind of mention that's a bit important to um, the program is um, this week, FreeCR is actually currently running a subscriber's drive. Um, so I guess I want to kind of make, I guess, the kind of political case um, for our listeners that if you're not a subscriber to FreeCR, um, I highly recommend that you become a subscriber. Um, and I guess if you if you want to find out how to subscribe, you can you can either call the station um, during uh, on zero three nine four one nine eight three seven seven, or you can drop in during office hours Monday to Friday nine a.m. to five p.m. or the method that probably most, the majority of people often use is um, online, which is, so you can, I rec- also recommend going to the FreeCR website at freecr.org.au forward slash subscribe. And I guess, you know, the, one of the most important reasons uh, to subscribe to FreeCR is, I mean, FreeCR is not like other kind of commercial sort of radio stations. Um, it rely. FreeCR relies very much on the support, the financial support that it gets from its listeners and the people who volunteer for the program, uh, including myself, who I think all, all, the, all our presenters um, are, are, are subscribers. And um, it's, it's, I think it's um, also, I think one of the things about FreeCR is that it actually um, it, it, it provides a, you know a platform for many marginalised groups and also voices that you don't get to hear in the mainstream in within within you know the ABC, um, the Herald Sun, etc. So I think yeah, if you want to keep unashamedly radical radio on the air, I highly recommend uh, highly recommend subscribing by going to freecr.org.au forward slash support. Now this is a uh, um. I'll stop for the kind of news roundup for the start of the program. So we'll go into uh, a bit of international news. And we, we've previously reported on the persecution of um, Boris Kagaliski, who it's actually now the latest story has been that he, um, that a Russian military court of appeals has ordered socialist and anti-war dissident Boris Kagaliski to spend five years in jail. And this is um, this is following the fact that um, persecu- um, prosecutors succeeded in um, over- overturning his original uh, sentence of uh, basically he was fined six thousand um, seven hundred dollars, and now this um, 
This February, um, this ruling also um, means Kagaliski will be banned for administering any website for two years upon his release. I.e., basically, he can't, uh, um, he can't make any more kind of commentary. And I guess just for, I guess, listeners, um, just for a bit of um, for people who are not aware who Boris Kagaliski is. Um, Boris Kagaliski is um, well known as a, as a, a, one of the more prominent Russian Marxists and socialists in within Russia, and what he's always been kind of known for is he's always been a dissident to to the government. He was a, he was very much always critical of uh, of the Soviet Union and its um, bureaucratic sort of authoritarian sort of practices. But he also, but of course, since the fall of the Soviet Union, he's remained a very consistent dissident to the Russian government. So I think this is, um, this is a, I think, you know, I think Boris Kaglisi, I think we definitely, we definitely need to give him all the international, um, solidarity. And, um, yeah, I wonder if um, Rob has any quick comments he'd like to make before we go into our first interview. Gosh, you know. I'm struggling to write them all down, but yes, I do. Um, Kagalitsky easily, I think, uh, would have been accepted in the West uh, for asylum. He would have been actually lauded in the United States, you know, as being anti-Soviet and now anti-Putin. But somehow or other, even though I think he has travelled around and he has been imprisoned, but um, he stayed in Russia when he could have actually gone. He must be of very advanced age. And, uh, yes, as I said, he's been in prison. But um, maybe that um, is an interesting point, you know, like, okay, you know, especially in this era of international travel, you know, you can hop on a plane and be halfway around the world and, you know, be on a demonstration or do a talk or do a gig or whatever. But um, and, and he has been uh, around different places around the world, you know, when he wasn't in prison. But it's uh, an interesting point. Where, as revolutionary socialists, do we start? And I think it was Trotsky who said this, that um, just, you know, no matter how much global travel we do, be, uh, the, uh, be a person that actually contributes to uh, starting up a revolution in your own place. And so for me personally, it's Australia, you know. I mean, I, I, I would love to travel the world. I would probably love to live somewhere else, but in the end... I, I think it's my revolutionary duty, seeing as I've lived in, in Australia, well, all my life. May, you know, maybe we should just um, start the revolution in one place because we have nationalism, right? We have nation states. And Trotsky did say, you know, it's always going to start in one nation state. So this is something we can talk about later anyway about, you know, what do we do here in Australia? Yeah, and I, I think that's actually a very kind of good point. I think I, I think Boris Kagaliski deserves a lot of respect for maintaining um, being a consistent dissident to the Russian government because, you know, the actual reality is, you know, while this is not like trying to say that the West is some incredible bastion of democracy, at the end of the day, it's a pretty much a material fact that this political space for demo, um, for democracy and you know, the right to kind of speak out is very much severely limited in the case of Russia. And to be, and to be in a sense, to be a dissident in, in Russia is a pretty brave act in itself. And as you say, you know, Boris Kogelisky is such a prominent figure that he probably could have easily moved anywhere <laughs> within the West and would have likely gotten support and, um, got asylum. So I think, I, I think there's a, I think 
yeah, all the solidarity, Boris Gugliski. And I think we'll definitely, the program will definitely give you the latest updates on his case as it sort of emerges. Uh, but for now, we're going to go play a quick announcement. You're listening to Green Left Radio. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth. And the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media is a warfare against our people and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're, they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. 8.55 a.m. And we are joined um, today by our first guest for the program, which we're very happy to have. And we have Reem Yunus, um, who is a Palestinian Australian activist and socialist, and also a long-time trade unionist and uh, a school teacher. Um, Reem is the Victorian Socialist candidate for the Dunkley by-election, um, which has actually just um, just been called recently and is going to be taking place on Saturday, March um, the 2nd. So, so it's not too far, kind of, it's um, pretty close. And, um, yeah, um, I think um, one of the probably the most important things uh, about having Reem in a program is, I guess, one of the, <laughs> one of the, one of the el- things that's obviously going to be characterised in this by-election is the whole issue of Palestine, given the Labor Party's unashamed kind of support for kind of the genocide. So, yeah, good morning, Reem. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so maybe to kind of start off so listeners can get a bit of a, uh, find out a bit more about you, um, what can you tell us uh, about yourself, I guess, as a candidate for the Victorian Socialists? And I guess, what are some of the experiences that you're hoping, you know, as a long-time activist for Palestine, as a trade unionist, are wanting to kind of bring as a candidate? Um, yeah, I, as you introduced me, um, I'm a socialist and I am originally a Palestinian. I grew up in the diaspora, uh, like many of the Palestinians. Um, I was uh, born and educated abroad and then I migrated to Australia um, in October 1992 with my family of uh, having two young children at the time. Um, I came here with uh, left-wing ideas anyway and uh, uh, always uh, believed in the justice of the Palestinian cause. At the same time, uh, I believe also in uh, socialist ideas uh, and uh, the importance of uh, thinking 
uh, and working and fighting for the rights of people, the ordinary working class people. Um, so I've been a teacher since 2001. And before that, I was just raising my children and I worked part time as a teacher aide while I was uh, doing my degree for education. And um, within uh, going to the rallies regarding the Middle East and uh, other speakouts, uh, I met with socialists here in this country. And um, and since then, I never looked back because you need to be within a group that, you know, like-minded people um, who support Palestine and support support. Uh, the socialist um, idea, uh, and uh, that is a very important reason for campaigning. When when this opportunity came up uh, for uh, uh, this vacant seat for Dunkley, uh, I thought, uh, what a good uh, opportunity to elevate the um, the voice of the Palestinians. Uh, and the Palestinian cause, especially in this time of the genocidal assault mm. on Gaza and all the atrocities they uh, perpetrate, not just on Gaza, but also on our people in the West Bank as well. Mm. Thanks for that, Reem. And I guess that gets into the kind of next question, I guess, is... um. What can you tell us a bit about the Victorian Socialist election platform? And I guess, what are some of the political issues that are going to, that Victorian Socialists as a party will be taking up in this upcoming by-election? Um, a big issue will be, of course, the discussing and shining the light on Israel's genocidal assault on Gaza. And we believe that both Labour and Liberal, the both major parties have been supporting. Everybody knows that. And we want actually um, a permanent ceasefire. And we want to see an end to Australia's political and military support for Israel. We want justice for all the Palestinians. And we want an end to the Israeli occupation. That's one big issue. The other big issue as a political campaign of ours will be the cost of living. We noticed that the Labour Party has done very little about that. Um, Some of our policies will include, uh, for example, price control on basic goods to stop the supermarket giants, for example, and other corporations from ripping off consumers. That's been happening. We want increased wages, at least in line with the inflation. People are going, are doing it tough at the moment. We want a five-year freeze mm. on rent increases and new laws to give renters real rights and prevent abuse by landlords. We do think there should be a massive expansion of public housing. The crisis of housing is, is a real issue. For example, if at least 150,000 new units are built in Australia uh, in the next 10 years, that would be 
uh, one solution for the uh, housing crisis. We want to establish uh, about the child care, free, publicly funded child care systems where uh, also uh, the child care workers get decent wages. That's very important for working class families. On the issue of taxes, we support Labour's proposed stage three changes. However, we don't think they go far enough. We need higher taxes to be imposed on the rich, healthy rich corporations, such as the mining giants. These are making massive profits shipping out Australian resources. They are making a killing at the moment. Uh, especially also we know that, uh, we know now uh, about the um, shipping of um, weapons for Israel. And we want to use the money that is made, made by taxing the rich to fix the crisis in two things that are close to my heart, education and health. Schools need better funding, hospitals need better funding, and we need to be able to fund rapid transition to a zero-carbon economy, which is important for the climate. So all these uh, uh, methods uh, uh, of helping the people, the ordinary class people, is what working class people is what we are for. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a good summary, I think, of all the kind of important kind of policies that you're bringing to the kind of table. And I guess one of the next kind of questions then goes into, I guess, I mean, obviously you've, you've spoken a bit in terms about this when, um, when commenting on some of Victorian Socialists' elec- um, election um, policies. But I guess I want to kind of hear, you know, one, I guess, um, I want to kind of hear your comments on what, you know, the ALP's actual record in government, um, which is both, you know, you can also talk in terms of their position on Palestine, but you kind of mentioned quite a bit about that. But I guess I want to kind of hear your, your um, the Victorian social perspective on the Labor government's re- record in government in terms of their failings to address the needs of working people. Well, the ALP, the Labor Party, has been a massive disappointment to anyone who thought they might offer something much different to the Liberals. Um, they have proven themselves to be just as much in the pocket of business, big business, as the Liberals. Um, and we have seen that repeatedly. They have done little or nothing to tackle the major issues that we face today, like what I've spoken about the cost of living, the housing crisis, and the climate change. These are big issues, everyday issues. Their position on Palestine has been appalling. From the start, they expressed support uh, for what Israel is doing in Gaza, which is, by any definition you can think of, it is genocide. Uh, despite that, they have been saying Israel has the right, and I'll put quotation marks, the, uh, the right to defend itself. No, an occupier, an aggressor is not defending itself. 
more recently they expressed they have expressed concerns for example that uh, Netanyahu um, potentially will attack Gaza, uh, Rafah which is the last most southern place in um, Gaza Strip ground invasion these uh, little voices they only effort, uh, offered us words not actions uh, their actions all, uh, have all been in the direction of supporting Israel and making it harder for the Palestinians. One big example is that they were one of the first Western countries, of, to, of course, after the U.S., to cut off the funding to the UNRWA, the UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency. This provides crucial humanitarian support to the Palestinians in Gaza. And this was established just after 1948. So the situation is dire, and they are doing the defunding um, of uh, the UNRWA. Well, um, this was straight after the ICJ, the International Court of Justice that said there was a risk of genocide there. That was actually uh, very telling. We can't trust Labour Party, not on the issue of Palestine, but most importantly for the people of Dunkley, the working, ordinary working class people who are trying to make ends meet, we can't trust them in uh, running uh, in their favor because they are running it for the rich. Yeah, and I'm um, going. I'm um, um, going to the next kind of question. I guess um, I want to kind of hear about you know, growing, given this kind of growing distrust with the major political parties. You know, what is the kind of um, the big case to vote for an open socialist at this upcoming by election? Well, there is a very clear voice. Um, long before. Uh, the latest events in uh, Gaza, Victorian socialists had a very strong stance in solidarity with the Palestinian struggle and also uh, with the refugees in general. Our policy is to oppose any Australian support for Israel on the grounds that it is an apartheid state. That is plain and simple, an apartheid state. We stood against the Victorian government's partnership, for example, with the Israeli armed manufacturer, which is known as the Elbit Systems. In the current situation, we want the government to use its diplomatic power uh, to push for an immediate ceasefire. We need an immediate and permanent ceasefire. For justice for the Palestinians, we need that, including as a start the full withdrawal of the uh, Israeli occupation forces from Gaza and the occupied land in the West Bank. So, as you mentioned, the major parties, Labour or Liberal, the Labour or the Liberals, are firmly in the Israeli camp. They follow the U.S. imperialist line in supporting Israel uh, as an outpost. Uh, for the Western imperialism and its interests in the Middle East. Um, so that's uh, about 
the major parties and what we stand for. Um, since uh, I started uh, joining protests and I noticed what happens on the ground, uh, I noticed that in the 2006, for example, uh, Israel's uh, war on Lebanon, and also in Operation Castled back in 2008-2009, and you know they have been, the occupation have been doing a lot of these strikes and big massacres in Gaza, calling them mowing the lawn. Imagine the words. And it was on the streets when I went on to all these protests, it was a socialist all socialist groups, who really stood side by side with uh, my Palestinian people on the streets, with other Arabs and Muslims in general, uh, in general, at these protests. So uh, that's why I am for the Victorian socialists, and that's why I joined them um, in order to make the fight um, for uh, uh, the betterment of the people in general and to be able to stand with Palestine and the Middle East and the uh, uh, and, uh, uh, Muslim and uh, Arabs in general. Hmm. Well, um, that gets into the, um, I guess, the kind of last kind of question. Um, You've, um, you've given a kind of good, a good sort of case on why people should support the Victorian Socialists for this kind of upcoming by-election. But for any of our kind of listeners who are listening kind of right now, how can people support your election campaign? And I guess any kind of final comments that you might like to make? Um, well, to support our campaigns, they can simply go to the website of the Victorian Socialists. There are two ways you can help. Other, uh, uh, either uh, donate, because any donations will help us in our campaign, um, to reach more people. There are 70,000 households in, in Dunkley, so it will be nice if we can have uh, the money for it. But not only the money, the manpower also is important. If people can volunteer uh, again uh, through the Victorian Socialist website um, and can help us by giving up their time um, for a few hours, uh, sign their name up to come on the polling booth, uh, to hand in how to vote cards, uh, to help us talk with people uh, about the importance of getting a socialist and the, and, and the Palestinian to the parliament, that will be really a good, massive help. Um, you asked me, I think, about a final comment. Um, there is one thing I'd like to add, which is us socialists are not going anywhere. We are here to stay to, um, to oppose the party lines of the major parties of both Labour and Liberal. We want to keep fighting for Palestine. We want to keep fighting for the change and betterment of 
the ordinary working class people uh, everywhere in society. I encourage people to get involved and volunteer or get involved in our party, and particularly to look out for us. Maybe also, again, in the local council elections coming up in October this year. All right. Well, thank you very much, um, Reem. And, um, yeah, just to repeat for our listeners, if you're interested in giving support to, um, the Victorian Socialist, um, uh, um, by-election campaign, you can go onto the Victorian Socialist website. And, um, yeah, and I like to, and I think, to Reem, well, the best of luck with your campaign. And I think, yeah, I think it's very, it's going to be a very important campaign, especially in the context of the failures of these major parties. And, because people are looking for alternative. You know, the fact that to see major parties um, give outright support to a genocide, I think, is something that's going to really um, um, create a consciousness where people will be asking a lot of questions and they'll be looking for political alternatives. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much again, Reem, for being on our program. Thank you for having me. All right. We're just speaking to Reem Yunus. Um a Palestinian Australian and Victorian Socialist candidate for the Dunkley by-election. Now, I'm just going to go play a quick announcement. Um, you're listening to Green Left Radio. So I'm here at the school kids' strike for climate action with some of the people who are on strike today. Can you tell us your names and how old you are? Uh, so my name's Ivy and I'm 12 years old. My name is Marta and I'm 8 years old. My name's Layla and I'm 11 years old. Inequality is at a 70-year high. Our jobs are going offshore. Our jobs are being casualised. 40% of us are trapped in insecure work. The richest 1% have more than the 70% of us at the bottom. And workers will stand up and fight. You've never seen a fight before until you back the Australian workers into a corner and tell them they've got no rights. Those workers will fight. 3CR, union issues and workers' struggles. Feed Radical Radio, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Tickets are now on sale for the 2024 Marxism Conference happening over the Easter weekend. The Marxism Conference is one of the biggest gatherings of revolutionaries, radicals and activists from around Australia and across the world. Three days of discussions, interviews and debates on key questions and themes for socialists, covering radical working class history, Marxist fundamentals, left debates and global struggles happening today. With our world entering a new era of accelerated climate crisis, economic chaos and rising imperialist tensions, it's now more important than ever for socialists and anti-capitalists to get together to discuss and debate ideas for a world in crisis. Lock in your spot to Australia's biggest socialist conference and grab your tickets now at marxismconference.org. A 3CR supporter. All right. Um, we um, just we're actually now joined today. We now have um, Jordan here as one of our other co-presenters. Um, but now we've also got um, our second guest for the program, who's actually uh, another presenter of ours, actually, but he's on the phone this time around. Um, we have Zane Alcorn um, here. So yeah, Top good morning, morning. Zane. Good morning, Pete. Yeah. So um, I think we're gonna we're gonna have a bit of. Um, 
you went, you uh, attended this um, this important rally in Newcastle for um, a wind. I think it was a wind farm. Um, and yeah. I guess one of the things um, that um, that you wrote for your article in Green Left was it's actually been it was quite a large protest and demonstrated the kind of broad support for this um, from this wind farm. But one of the kind of um, political issues has been that there's, there has been this sort of ongoing kind of right-wing campaign against wind power uh, in the context, in the lead-up to this protest. And I guess I want to kind of hear, I, I, I guess I want to start off the discussion by telling us about this sort of right-wing sort of backlash and this ongoing right-wing campaign against uh, against uh, wind, um, wind power. And yeah, we, and then we can talk a bit about the protest. Yeah, sure. So... Uh, this protest is based mainly out of Port Stephens, uh, which is a little town about 40 minutes, 45 minutes north of Newcastle, uh, or Mullabimba, as it was known back in the day. And the, what looks like has happened is that there's a bunch of people who were doing a bunch of anti-vaxxer stuff through the pandemic, and that's all kind of behind us now. The lockdowns are finished, so they need something else to latch on to. So you've got these these cookers that don't like 15-minute cities and have conspiratorial views about this, that, and the other. And they've decided that they don't like the wind farm and they're going to campaign against it. They're linking up with One Nation, the Shooters and Fishers Party, the National Party, um, and the Liberals. And they're saying, we don't want this. Uh, offshore wind farm, uh, and they're being fed disinformation from fossil fuel-funded far-right groups in the USA who say, oh, offshore wind kills whales and, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill all the birds, particularly whales, uh, and then that this other group that's involved is Port Stephens is home to a bunch of kind of, I guess you would call them petty bourgeois, um, business owners who have tour, like whale watching, dolphin watching, and also um, charter fishing boats that will leave from Port Stephens and then go out into the areas of the ocean where this wind farm is and uh, go fishing. It's important to note that this wind farm is going to be located, like I think it's 25 kilometres offshore, and the uppermost part of the offshore wind farm is pretty much in line with Port Stephens. So there's still <laughs> plenty of ocean out there that doesn't have wind farms in it that people can still go whale watching and still go fishing. But these people, who I think are probably the kind of people who normally vote One Nation or Liberal or whatever, uh, have decided, no, nah, we don't want this wind farm because it's going to ruin our fishing industry and rah, rah. So, yeah, there's this kind of grab bag of people varying from centre-right to far-right. And in terms of the electoral boundaries, that area, Port Stephens, is a kind of a Labor-Liberal marginal area. So at a state or a federal election, that, that seat will sometimes go to the Libs and it will sometimes go to Labor. So it's a real... Uh, it's a bit of a pinch point in terms of, at the moment, both of those seats are held by Labor politicians. And so it's clear that there's this attempts to try and whip up opposition to this wind farm and uh, part of what they're trying to do, other than stop the wind farm going ahead, is to try and win that seat back for some right-wing 
Liberal candidate uh, instead of uh, Labor candidate. This is uh, Rob Zocchi here, yeah, Newcastle. I'm trying to learn all the um, indigenous names, but uh, the one for Newcastle is really difficult. So something like, do you know it, Mullumbimby or something like that? No, Mullumbimby is further north. Mullumbimba oh, right. is oh, Newcastle. Yeah. Anyway, I only know that because my grandfather worked at the floating dock there, and yeah, the floating yeah. dock was named Mullumbimba. Yeah, I, I have to learn them. I mean, Nam is so easy for Melbourne. Anyway, um, wind farms, my goodness. You know, the, the great far-right broadcaster, Alan Jones, who will shortly not be with us, always used to <laughs> go on and on and on about these bloody wind farms. I, I think his problem was, number one, um, people who, who supported them were these dreadful kind of soft um, environmentalists, so he never liked them. The other thing he didn't like was the noise that they made. But um, anyway, I guess I, what I really wanted to ask you was, you know, I know, I know um, Newcastle, sorry, I still can't say the name. Uh, I know Port, Port Stephens very well, and, and I have, um, when I lived in Sydney, I, I visited there many times. Um, at the protest that you attended just recently, uh, I'd, I'd love to get a feel for what actually happened on the ground. You know, was there any action? How many people were there? And um, exactly what they did to really disrupt the operations of this company? Uh, well, there's no company per se uh, oh, yeah. yet. Uh, and in terms of the wind farm, the anti-wind farm people in Port Stephens, uh, I think they had a rally maybe in... October, November last year, and this was not a small rally. Apparently, drew about three thousand people, um, and I think they just heard from a grab, bag, a grab bag of people who don't like wind farms. And I, I can't help thinking Barnaby Joyce. I know that there was another anti-renewables rally in Canberra on February sixth, and Barnaby Joyce spoke at that, and so did a whole long list of, of you know right wingers and cookers and so on. So I think there's been a couple of rallies in uh, in Port Stephens, but yeah, I couldn't really tell you the specifics. But there's no company as yet. There's been a union campaign to get the federal Labor government to declare a offshore wind zone. Uh, there was a period of consultation. They've declared the offshore wind zone, and now it's sort of in the planning stages of the wind farm. I think there's Norwegian company Equinor who uh, do oil production, but also renewables. I think they uh, made an expression of interest. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's a long way to go yet before anything gets built, and that will, be a, that will be quite a process. So, yeah, there's no real company or anything to blockade at this stage. Hi, Zane. Um, so you're with Jordan now. Um, so in your article, you, you quote um, Stephen Murphy, the AMWU and New South Wales secretary, who acknowledged... Uh, the importance of all the comrades in both the union movement and those in the environmental movement. Now, you know, historically there has been a bit of an effort by right-wing politicians mostly to counterpose these two. You know, often we're in the situation where it's jobs versus the environment. However, more and more we're starting to see a confluence between the two with the notion that, well, fighting climate change and environmental degradation, this is union business. So just wondering if you can... Uh, Tell the listeners a little bit about why it is so important that the union movement be involved in the um, process of phasing out fossil fuels. 
Yeah, sure. So I think uh, so. Th- this rally was quite good, and it was spearheaded by uh, Hunter Workers, the what used to be called Newcastle Trades Hall Council, <clears throat> and it was endorsed by twelve different unions as well as a few different community environment groups. And I guess over the years, it hasn't just been right-wing politicians, but it's also been some more conservative union officials in uh, fossil fuel-dominated industries who have made this argument that if you support phasing out fossil fuels, you're anti-worker. So it is quite significant, I think, to see... Steve Murphy, I think Steve is these days the National Secretary of the AMWU, um, and Steve has uh, got his welding trade in uh, in Newcastle back in the 80s, and has been a key proponent of the Hunter Jobs Alliance, which brings together unionists and environmentalists, and yeah, I think it's really significant to see what was a big union rally and a bunch of union leaders. So there was Steve Murphy from the AMWU, but there was also Lee Shears, who's the Secretary of Hunter Workers, uh, who emceed the rally. Uh, There was Joe and Jazz from the MUA, uh, Teresa Hetherington from the United Workers Union, and Deanna Richardson, who's a PSA member and is on local council. And uh, most of these union members weren't just saying, let's make sure this wind farm goes ahead. They were really making the case that this is going to provide a a large amount of ongoing jobs so that as the global coal industry starts to decline, there's going to be alternative jobs getting created in this region so people can start going into those jobs. And so this is, I think, very significant because in the past... Unions, some of the more progressive kind of climate conscious unions have kind of made sort of words to these effects, but this was something that was union-led, this rally, and there was a bunch of unionists who, as far as I'm aware, are all Labor Party members, really digging in their heels and saying, we have to have a transition here in this region and just the world's largest coal port towards alternative jobs. And I think that's very significant. And I think it's, you know, what these rank of, what these unionists who are more like from the working class base of the Labor Party were saying, I don't think is the same line that the leadership of the ALP is pushing. And so that's where I think it's politically quite significant. These unions are trying to pressure the Labor Party to take a better position. Today it's a wind farm, but tomorrow I think it could go further than that, and that's very exciting because I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah, yeah Zane, I'm, I'm well aware that you are a construction worker and a member of the CFMEU Construction Forestry Mining Energy Union, which um, in the old days, in the 60s and 70s, was actually the BLF, the Builders Labourers Federation. Yeah. Builders Labourers Federation has 
uh, an incredible history of not only agitating for better conditions for construction workers, but for taking on wider political issues. And, and in Sydney, the green bands were very, very famous. And I, I go up there to the rocks and the other sites and, and see all these sort of uh, photographs and memorials to the green bands. Now, um, I want, wanted you to comment on the way that unions can be political, even... Uh, I can remember blue-collar workers from from the Builders' Labourers' Federation supported the rights of gays and lesbians in the 70s. All these, you know, really rough, uh, you know, stereotypical blue-collar workers did this. And I believe that the CFMEU today is still doing this, but you'll know better because you're a member and, and, and you're a construction worker. Yeah, I mean, I think the CFMEU supported the... Um Equal marriage campaign, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, certainly the the CFMEU, along with the MUA, the ETU, and the AMWU, have been the key unions really pushing for this um, Hunter Offshore Wind project to go ahead as a transition project. Uh, the the I'm pretty sure recently the Mining and Energy Division of the CFMEU disaffiliated. I know that there was a big court brouhaha to see if they could get away with that and I don't I think they did disaffiliate so the mining and energy division of the CFMEU that covers coal mining workers, they are pretty backwards on this question. But yeah, the, the construction part of the CFMEU uh, they've, they've been trying to unionise uh, all the onshore renewables projects that are happening in rural parts of Victoria and New South Wales. And that's... It's challenging because the union is not really... The union movement in general is not as strong as it was 50 or 60 years ago, and especially in little rural towns. So that's been a real challenge. But the the CFMEU is, is very conscious that it's really important to unionise these job sites hundreds of kilometres away out in rural parts of the country because otherwise you'll have all the same issues that you have in the city. You'll have poor job safety and you'll also have, you know, contractors, you know, cheap labour being bought in that undercuts the union labour. And so I think as part of that process, to see if any of you have realised, well, hang on, there's a lot of jobs in this and if we can unionise this properly that's going to be really a new frontier for building the union and securing good paying conditions and making sure these job sites that are, you know, we're talking about putting up wind turbines that are 200 metres high. There's a lot of room for serious safety issues. So I think the union is very conscious of the safety angle as well. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting how, I guess, by, by seeking to unionise those renewable sites and realising that there's a huge pipeline of big jobs that need to be union, um, that's kind of... The union has now arrived at, well, we would need to be forward-thinking and pushing for these offshore wind farms as well because they're a critical part of getting to 100% renewables and they're going to be a big source of union jobs. All right. Well, um, Zane, we're reaching kind of the end of kind of the interview. I think it's been a good, a very kind of good discussion, especially talking about workers' transition. Can you um, give, um, can you, make, do you have any final comments that you'd like to make? 
Um, yeah, probably the, the final thing I'd like to say is that there was two young women from the MUA, Joe and Jazz, and they were talking about the opportunity for well-paid blue-collar jobs for women in a male-dominated, traditionally a male-dominated industry. And they very clearly, you know, switched on about the climate angle and saying this is this is clean energy jobs for our future and we need to do it. It's a no-brainer. It's creating alternative jobs so that the hunter can transition away from coal exports. And the, another speaker who I really liked was Teresa Hetherington, who is from the United Workers Union. She's an aged care worker. Teresa was talking about climate action is union business, and she was saying, I see the impacts of climate change already every day in my job because I'm driving from house to house to provide assistance to people and they won't turn on their air conditioner because they can't afford it and it's scorching hot and I've got to work in the heat because it's their house and it's their choice whether they have the air con on or not and meanwhile we've got underpaid you know people in caring industries like aged care disability care who can't get to their clients and care for them when there's these massive floods in Queensland and their employer is making them take, making them use up all their annual leave because there's a flood and they can't get to work. And so she's like, this is bad for workers and we need to be taking action. And yeah, I thought it was a really, uh, she wasn't just saying, let's build this because it's, a source of jobs. She's saying, yeah, it is a source of jobs, that's great. But Theresa was also making the point, union action, uh, climate action is union business and we've got to get onto this. So yeah, it was really excellent to see some staunch women speaking at this rally and making the case really well. And I'm someone who's critical of the Labor Party as the alternative ruling party of capitalism here in Australia. But if there's rank and file union members from the ALP who want to dig in and fight for this, I think that's a really, a really significant development, and and I'm real happy to work with those people to make sure this this wind farm goes ahead and to make sure that we have a transition. I think it's really exciting to see. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, um, thank you very much um, for that, um, Zane. And yeah, we'll hopefully, well, we'll possibly see you on our program uh, as, a, as a co-presenter at some point. So Indeed. I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. All right. So we're just speaking to Zane Alcorn, um, who is actually a fellow Green Left radio presenter. Um, but, but, but we're having a bit of a discussion about some of the politics around transition, especially in, in Newcastle, which is actually a bit of an important area for talking about these kind of politics because basically the Labor Party actually likes to use Newcastle, as, um, which is home to one of the largest sort of coal ports in the world, as like, you know, this is the... the this, we To support workers, we have to support uh, the continued extraction of coal. Um, but actually the fact that there's campaign groups trying to campaign for alternative jobs and workers are involved in it, I think is actually very important in a lot of ways. So... Yeah, I think I think that was very quite important. So we'll just go play a quick few announcements, and then we'll go on to uh, the um, then we'll go on to the activist calendar. Stand in solidarity with Palestine this Sunday. 
with the most devastating attack ever launched on the people of Gaza. It's time for all of us to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Israel has waged war on the Palestinians for the last 75 years. The Nakba, ethnic cleansing, occupation of the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza. Israel has now imposed a total blockade on Gaza and declared war, stopping food, electricity and fuel and launching an all-out attack. We have to mobilise to show our support for Palestine. 12pm, State Library, this Sunday. Rally to demand freedom and justice for Palestine. No war on Gaza. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Good morning, listeners. You're back with Green Left Radio on 3CR 855 on your dial. We're just going to quickly go through our activist calendar now. Um, so starting today, Friday, February 16, um, there will be a Manningham for Palestine activist organising meeting, 5 to 8 p.m., Doncaster Room at the MC Square um, in Doncaster. There will also be a film screening of Tantora, a 2022 documentary, um, at the Resistance Centre. This starts at 6 p.m., um, the film starts at 6.30pm, but the doors are open at 6pm at the Resistance Centre, Level 5, 407 Swanson Street. On Tuesday, February 20, there will be a rally, um, Brimbank for Palestine, to keep the pressure up for Palestine at 6pm at Brimbank Council, 301 Hampshire Road, Sunshine. There will also be a rally for Whittlesea for Palestine, um, to call on the Whittlesea Council to pass a Palestine Solidarity Motion, 6pm, Civic Centre, Council Offices, 25 Ferris Boulevard, South Moraine. Then on Saturday, February 24th, there will be a lakeside vigil for Palestine, 7pm at Lake Coraline in Coraline Springs, um, organised by Melton for Palestine. Finally, um, on Thursday, February 29, there will be a student strike for Palestine, 2pm State Library, Swanson Street in the city. Um, if you want to receive this calendar, uh, please reach out to us at melbourne at greenleft.org or you can check out our website, um, www.greenleft.org.au forward slash events. And um, just one event that, just to mention, actually probably a bit important to note, is um, that I'm pretty sure there's going to be another block, at, um, another protest outside HTA at 10 a.m. today. So that's going to be at 4 Free B Laway in Campbellfield. And um, these protests have actually been happening quite weekly, which is um, very good, and it's very much part of this whole ongoing campaign to stop arming Israel. Now... I was thinking, um, um, we could, um, I was going to, I'll just go play a quick, um, a quick announcement. Um, you're, li- uh, actually, maybe we'll just play a quick song. Um, this is a song we've probably played, um, before, but I think it's just an important song to keep playing. Um, I thought we would play Long Live Palestine. And we'll just play that for the next four minutes and then we'll go on to our last interview for the program. You're listening to Green Left Radio. <laughs> This is for Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Long live Palestine 
While we listen to tunes made by ignorant fools Israel blocked the UN from delivering food They bring in the troops and you won't even glimpse of the news They make money off the products that we're quick to consume And it's not simply a question of differing views Forget emotions, this is facts, what I spit is the truth Makes no difference if you're a Christian or if you're a Jew They're just people living in different conditions to you They still die when you bomb their schools Mosques and hospitals, it's not because of rockets Please God, can you stop this all? I'm not related to the strangers on the TV But I relate, cause those strangers could have been me Words could never ever explain the raw tragedy It's not a war, they're just murdering more rapidly And we are automatically supporting pure savagery Imagine how you feel if this was your family In my heart forever We stand for peace Times of war We shan't surrender Remember It didn't start In this dark December Every coin is a bullet If you're Marks and Spencer And when you're sipping Coca-Cola That's another pistol In the holster Of them soulless soldiers You say you know about The Zionist lobby But you put money In their pocket When you're buying their coffee Talking about revolution Sitting in Starbucks The fact is That's the type of thinking I can't trust Let alone Even start to respect Before you talk Learn the meaning of that scarf on your neck Forget Nestle, Obama Promise Israel 30 billion over the next decade They're trigger happy and they're crazy Think about that when you're putting Huggies nappies on your baby Just a war over stolen land Why do you think little boys are throwing stones at tanks? And we'll never really know how many people are dead They drop bombs on innocent girls while they sleep in their bed Don't get offended by facts, just try and listen Nothing is more anti-Semitic than Zionism So please don't bring bad vibes when you speak to me There's plenty of rabbis that agree with me It's your choice what you do with this message Don't get it confused, I view this from a human perspective How many more resolutions have to be violated? How many more children have to be annihilated? Israel is a terror state, they're terrorists that terrorize I testify my television, televise them telling lies This is not a war, it is systematic change Genocide, but whatever they try, Palestine will never die. Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Okay, welcome back. Um, so on the line now, we have Lara from the Save Techno Park campaign. Lara, how are you doing this morning? Hi, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm quite well. I'm quite well. Um, so just for our listeners who 
might not be aware, um, can you tell us a little bit about Technopark and why places like Technopark are so important, particularly during a housing crisis? Sure. Um, people have been living at Technopark in Williamstown in Melbourne's West for decades, mostly in small brick units that were originally built um, as part of a migrant hostel to, and housed migrants and refugees um, through the 60s into the 80s. They're residential buildings. They were built for community. The area was zoned Industrial 1 in 1988, but the council, Hobson Bay, chose to accept residential use since then, and they've really created a de facto mixed-use zone that's home to a close-knit residential community that live in purpose-built residential units alongside sunlight, industrial and commercial businesses that share the street. Um, it's a rare precinct of affordable housing in the area. Some of us are owner-occupiers, others are renters. Many of us would be considered vulnerable in some way, and people here are able to live independently because they live in secure, affordable housing in a tight-knit, supportive community. Um, in May last year, the council sent notices to every address on the street telling residents they had to cease living in our homes immediately and threatening legal action against us. They said that the zoning means that people can't live here, even though people have lived here for years and years. Um, they refused to meet with or negotiate with the community, and um, so we said we're not going. And uh, in October last year, they, the council banned any questions from the public on the matter and held a vote in secret where our councillors agreed we should be evicted this month. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. And um, I think it's worth noting as well. I think you explained to me last year that industrial zoning one, uh, it does entail a health risk. However, this is, uh, what was it? Uh, a one in a million chance or something that a person may die, um, a year. So um, the industrial zoning doesn't have any, it doesn't refer to any health risk. In fact, the zoning allows you to graze animals or raise crops on this land. Um, but we're also, situated adjacent to a tank farm that belongs to the former mobile refinery and so we're in the the buffer zone there are four thousand up to four thousand homes in residential areas in hobson's bay in the buffer zones of refinery infrastructure um and uh an audit from the epa to mobile from 2014 which is available publicly on the internet says there is no off-site contamination from that tank farm and, um, yeah, the way that they define the buffer zone is that they say there's a one in 10 million year chance of more than one fatality from um, an event at the site. Oh, thank you for that clarification. Truly uh, an untenable figure there. Um, although, I mean, just, just so listeners know that that last comment was uh, sarcastic. Um, Oh, I think no, that's, so that's the definition. Yeah. And um, I think as well it's important to note that the refinery that this tank farm belongs to is closed mm-hmm. and it's been reported that those tanks are empty and have been for years. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Thank you for that additional information, Lara. Um, so since we last spoke, um, the eviction date has been pushed to May of this year from, as you mentioned, uh, an initial immediate eviction notice specifying May last year. Um, can you tell us what the community's current campaign goals are? Um, our goal has always been the same from the beginning. It's to stop the eviction of any resident from Techno Park and to gain the right to live in our homes securely. Um, we've had a legal strategy, a political strategy and a community 
care strategy, um, kind of running in tandem. We meet every week um, to uh, work together on these goals. Um, I think the kind of most challenging really has been community care because people have been so desperately affected by this um, threat to their homes and livelihoods, you know, um, so we really do the best to take care of each other, but we've had uh, a number of people who were made immediately homeless uh, because their landlords evicted them when the council said that they had to, uh, and other people who have just been forced out because the, the pressure um, from the council harassment was so great that they uh, they couldn't continue to live here for their own health. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And um, I think it's so important that you uh, emphasise that um, element of community care. Um, so although Techno Park isn't public housing, we have noticed that uh, the Save Public Housing, uh, sorry, the Save Techno Park uh, campaign has had strong representation at a, a number of public housing um, meetings that have happened. And likewise there, that, that element of community and community care is something that's so often overlooked. Um, and so uh, it, it's it's very great that you've mentioned that. And, um, you know, in, in the struggle for housing justice, I feel that this is, a, this is a place where we can find solidarity among all people, no matter what type of housing people are living in and what that classification is. Um, I'd like to ask you um, about some internal council documents that were recently released to the ABC, uh, uncovered by the ACT, ABC, and you know these were released under Freedom of Information. Can you tell us what these documents are? What what was uncovered um, as these documents were released, and why is this important? Um, council's public story has been that they were obliged to act urgently to remove people from their homes by our own safety um, because we live in an industrial area and that they had no idea of the scale of residential use at Techno Park when they sent a notice to every home saying residents had to leave immediately or face legal action. What the documents show is that they're in fact planning this eviction for at least six months before they sent the notices um, under the truly horrible codename Operation Pegasus. Mm. Pegasus is the former logo of Noble. Um, and Operation Pegasus is the name of two military operations from World War II and um, you know, the war in Vietnam. So maybe someone in the council is a war fan. <laughs> um, they reveal that they knew at least this is, this is in 2022, you know, more than six months before they sent the notices. They knew at least that half of the units, at least 40, were residential. The people have been living there for more than 15 years and were ex- entitled to existing use rights to remain, which then they've in- attempted to extinguish by sending their eviction letter. Um, they knew that... Uh, they said that Mobile had asked that they, quote, enforce the planning scheme four years Previous to that, back when the refinery was in operation, which they clearly didn't do. Um, and they suggest that council executives kept this information secret from the councillors who are our elected representatives, who then um, were put in the position of voting to evict us without knowing these kind of key facts. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, 
So I'm just wondering if uh, you can tell us if um, there are any sort of concrete things that the community is asking for in terms of support for Safe Palm Techno Park campaign. Well, actually, I think um, we've had a very significant win in the last two days. So um, we've been asking the planning minister to intervene um, and either to invite the council to uh, submit a planning scheme um, amendment that would make it uh, legal to live here at Second Park once again, or um, for the planning minister to intervene herself. And nearly 500 people in the community wrote to the planning minister on her behalf. Two days ago, the minister introduced a change in the planning scheme that means that the council's letter did not extinguish people's existing use rights. That means that anyone, any, anyone who is here for 15 years, I don't mean individually actually, sorry, that the fact that people had lived here for 15 years before um, the council sent that notice means that we have existing use rights to continue living here and so now the, the council is fully empowered to recognise those rights based on um, the fact that in their own documents they recognise that people have lived here for at least 15 years. So now the question is, will the council step up and solve their planning problem by recognising our existing use rights? Um, it's, a, it's suddenly a very simple solution it means that the council cannot suddenly just come in and kick people out anymore, but we do need to have those rights formalised. So um, what people can do that would be really helpful is um, if you could write to our mayor, Matt Tyler, um, and ask him to finally stand up for residents of Techno Park. We've got a template on our Instagram and Facebook. You can find them at Save Techno Park. Hello, uh, Lara. I'm Rob Zocchi, and I think we've spoken before. Um, yeah, it's great that you... Um, I've got a quick question, but um, it's yeah. just great that you've um, put together the two issues of the housing crisis and the cost of living crisis. It's just so bleedingly obvious that those two things absolutely go together. Now, you talked about legal action um, that's going to be taken against you, and, yeah, you know, they can get all the snazzy lawyers and you know, these big corporations or whoever's in, you know, whoever's in charge of this will undoubtedly do that. But, like, as a last resort, if you hold your ground, um, are you prepared for police repression? Because there's a long history around the world of police being used to evict um, residents who refuse to actually leave. So um, do you think that you're prepared for something like that? Well, uh, we've absolutely discussed that. We've had many people in the community offer to support us, but actually the advice we've had from our lawyers who have lined up around the block, they said to support us pro bono because they believe that this is absolutely wrong um, and um, wouldn't stand up in the law, is that um, the council cannot do that. They're in a, it's in a very funny situation where, um, you know, normally evictions are of tenants out of properties that someone else owns, mm-hmm. um, whereas these are all privately owned properties where the owners, some of whom live here and others who don't, you know, others. We've got one um, block that is owned by uh, a couple who have personally subsidised uh, that building for the last 20 years to make a home for people who need affordable housing. The, the owners don't want people out. So um, 
the council's in a position of trying, needing to try to evict people who absolutely have the right just to go in the next day because uh, you could, according to the council anyway, come and use this unit for industrial purposes. So my neighbour Arnie has always said, what do they do? They evict you and they send the police, they evict you and then you've got the key, just walk back in. Um, but uh, just to be clear, what this change in the planning scheme around existing use rights means is that the council no longer has um, grounds to do that. We, we very likely have existing use rights based on 15 years of continuous residential use and the council now is in the position of being able to uh, validate, they can, they can just validate those rights right now or if uh, they want to waste everyone's time, they can seek applications from every single unit and do it that way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lara. So um, now we are getting close to 8.25, so we do need to start wrapping up this uh, interview. Um, is there anything else that you'd quickly like to let listeners know about the Save Techno Park campaign? I'd just like to say, um, you know, we feel very closely with the uh, movement to save public housing as well. We've got two blocks here in Williamstown that are slated for demolition and a third block of affordable housing owned by Homes Victoria that they've just shut down and, um, in fact, in May last year as well, sent letters to all the tenants saying that they would have to leave and find other places to live. Um, you know, affordable housing, secure housing, it's an issue that affects, affects us all and, um, you know, we absolutely want to stay committed to that fight too. Thank you so much, Lara. And uh, just before um, Lara leaves, I do want to say it is not only uh, just... Um, you know, bringing together the fight for affordable housing and public housing and not own, and addressing housing crisis, the Save Techno Park campaign has actually also been active in Palestine solidarity movements. I've seen you guys there uh, just about every week. Um, so thank you so much, Lara, um, for your staunch solidarity and um, we wish you all the best and we will be supporting you in your campaign. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lara. All right, just go play a quick announcement. The Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Commons Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR, and that about wraps up our program for this um, for this week. Um, I'd like to thank all our listeners and all our guests for being on our program. And if you support the work you do, consider becoming a supporter of Green Left, and you can become a supporter by going on greenleft.org.au forward slash support. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm probably going to end it, end the end the program with playing a bit of um, Cuban music that has been provided by Rob. Um, but yeah, and then we'll play the outro and then go on to Left After Breakfast. You're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. <laughs> Cuba tiene color 
de cómo tienen por orgullo y tradición que todas las mercancías se detallan con fregón que todas las mercancías se detallan con fregón escúcheme pregonar la tienda que traigo aquí traigo yuca berenjena y mazorca de maíz traigo yuca berenjena y mazorca de maíz This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio, brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit. If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call 1-800-634-206. Arise, you workers from the slumbers. Arise, you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and at last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions. Serve all masses. Arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back. Reds underneath your beds and that crap.